And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Dr. Anov Acourt. Did I say that correctly? You did. Oh you my gosh, it's so right. When you say impressive. the AA, it works out. I'm like, oh, I love this moment right now. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on um, not only emotional support, but, you know, this this came about so, um, you know, it was like a serendipitous moment of how we I discovered you and and um, through some uh, randomness. We won't say how, but it was just so beautifully like it was meant put to together. be. It was meant to be. <laughs> and, you know, um, I talked about in, you know, the past episodes that I am currently pregnant and I am on this journey and I am currently in my, I'm like, did I think about this? My third trimester uh, or about to be in my third trimester, I guess next week. Oh, gosh, wow. it's so scary. Oh my God. Ah! Uh, it's so wild. It's And it's, it's been exciting. a journey to say the least. And right. I think that why I was so drawn to, to you and what you do is I've been, excuse my French, scared shitless of postpartum depression. And yes. I, I've listened to the podcasts. I've read the books. I've taken the courses. There was even a specialist in this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm practicing hypnobirthing. And that's a whole nother episode of, of Goody. Um, but I had, they had a hypnobirthing special. I mean, sorry, a postpartum specialist that had come on to, you know, give, you know, not, she wasn't a doctor, but she was giving recipes and kind of, you know, oh, like, good. yeah, it was very, That's and important. it was very fascinating, you know, and it was like, okay, you know, your body at this week should be doing this. You do the belly binding, you do the, you know, all these interesting things, but it still made me feel so beyond overwhelmed because right. What I deal with is I live with bipolar one disorder. So when right. I Google bipolar disorder pregnancy, first of all, it's it's just a free for all of what comes up. I can't even tell you it is it is just absolutely bananas. And the only place that I have been able to find an inquiratical community has been through Reddit, um, which is really? ironic because you wouldn't think that. And and I'm not alone in that um, from conversations when I started secretly, you know, like confident, I mean, confidentially, like coming out with my pregnancy with, with friends and people in, in the mental health space, they were like, Oh no, I, I only relate to Reddit questions. And wow, that's incredible. Exactly. And, and when, that's important for me to know. Yes. And that is why it's so important to have a specialist like you on here to have this dialogue and have this conversation. And really, yes. I just, I, I it's kind of selfishly for myself to, to learn this because when you don't have that community, you know, and you try so hard to find it, or when you look up, you know, bipolar and pregnant, sometimes the, the list of questions, one time I, I said it, it was like, um, can bipolar people have babies? Should they have babies? Um, does bipolar, you Excuse know, uh, should they take your baby away if you have someone with a, a baby with a bipolar person? And I'm like, oh, are we no. like, like plagued? Oh, like, no, no, I don't no. understand. So no, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, first let me say it's not <laughs> selfish. It may feel selfish, but it's not. I think it's absolutely wonderful that you are including me. Oh. Thank you so much for oh, having me, you. by the way, and others. Yeah. On first of all, on this journey and gathering information that you can rely on that isn't an opinion, it is evidence-based. So like, I understand the science, I understand the history of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. I was actually gonna say, let's use the term, right? Because everyone's right. always just talking about postpartum depression. Right. And right. for decades, that's all anybody talked about. Right. But anxiety is actually more common during pregnancy and after than depression is. Wow. Now I understand you said I'm scared shitless. Let's yeah. just say it outright. <laughs> I think all new pregnant women are, right. whether they experience mood and anxiety disorders like bipolar or a major depression or generalized anxiety, right? right. So perinatal mood and anxiety disorders is like an In umbrella general, term. Right, right. Yes. And it includes symptoms in pregnancy and it includes symptoms postpartum mm -hmm. and it includes depression, bipolar, PTSD, right. panic disorder, all the things. Right. 
And it's important that you're talking about it because we want to make sure women have the evidence-based information that they need to make yep. their decisions for their care. Yep. And it's just crazy to me, honestly, Al, that like we do those disgusting gestational diabetes tests. Have you drank that gross stuff yet? Let me tell you, it's like a flat Sprite. Like for for the guys out there, like my husband's like, it's not that bad. I'm sure I'm like, you try having a flat Sprite that hasn't had carbonation in it for like six months and it's not that great. (laughs) And it made me, it made me want to throw up. Like I honestly, drinking that drink was just like nauseating. right. But every single woman goes through that, right? And that's the screen for gestational diabetes. Why am I bringing that up? Mm -hmm. Well, only about, I don't know, I don't want to say the percentage is wrong, but it's something like 6 to 10% of women will have gestational diabetes. 20% of women, one in five, will have a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. Wow. So let's get the word out that we need to be screening for this. Right. Right. We and can they, ask women yes. these questions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like a lot of the problem is, is, you know, when you go to the doctors, right, you think, okay, when I go to my my doctor and they're checking on my baby, how is the baby's physical health, right? Like that's your first- Very important. Very important. Like you check for, you know, all the diseases and all, you know, there there have been some complications because of, um, you know, family issues where they're like, oh, genetically okay. we have to test, you know, you yes. know, test the baby out and all that stuff. So th- that's great. But, you know, what about the mental health? Like- Hello. And then you feel uncomfortable, right? If you're, like for me, for instance, right? I, I, I live with something that I've been open and honest with for a long time. And I know that I have struggles. And right. I'm embarrassed to be like, oh no, some days I just am kind of like, hey, is there a way you can take my baby and like hold it for like three hours outside of my womb so I can go and scream and cry and freak out and it doesn't affect my baby? Like, can I do that? Right? And then you feel like they're going to take it away to an insane asylum and you don't want to be that problem, you know? No, exactly. And what you you say is so critically important is that stigma, right? So there is still, unfortunately, unlike with diabetes per se, there is a little stigma with that too, but which is, uh, again, unnecessary stigma and unfair stigma with mental health issues. But we want to be able to destigmatize, which is what we're doing here today. So I'm so thankful. That's why it's not selfish to have this conversation because we, this is the process of destigmatizing mental illness, right? right. We want all of the world talking about it so that your physician won't hesitate when he meets you to say, Hey, I noticed that you have this bipolar disorder diagnosis in your chart. I'd love to talk to you about this. Tell me how you've been managing those symptoms. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that they've been flaring around your period? Do you have an exacerbation when you have hormone changes, right? right. So these are the kinds of questions that an OB could be trained to ask. Right. Why I do these, why I try to do trainings at Cedars where I, I predominantly work with all the OBs who are so open right. to learning and understanding. And they want to know. They want to know. They want to know. So my question is, so, so a couple things, right? Number one, the being scared shitless and the wanting to just scream and cry. You are human, right? You are not a robot. Yeah. <laughs> you are allowed to have your emotions. It is not going to affect your baby. Right. Okay. Experience your emotions and that's okay. And don't worry because I think what ends up happening is we become incredibly judgmental and we do have a hard day right? and we cry or we scream or we're angry or whatever our negative emotions are, then we judge them. Right. Right. And should all over ourselves. Right. I shouldn't be so emotional. I'm pregnant. Right. I shouldn't right. do this. And then it's, we feel worse. Yeah. Because so then you feel yourself. like you're affecting the, it's affecting the baby and you're just like, oh, right. And then you feel worse. So the point is, is we want to make sure that we're actually treating whatever it is that's going on. If it's severe anxiety, if it's severe depression, it could be bipolar. You don't want to let these things go because you think it's going to be better for the baby. There's right. always risks and benefits to any right. kind of treatment. But for example, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. I do CBT. And that's something that there's very minimal risks. Mm-hmm. Now, medications, on the other hand, and I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't prescribe medications, right. but I know a lot about the research. Mm-hmm. You're always weighing 
risks and benefits, pros and cons, right? right? You're always trying to, and this is a conversation that you want to be able to have with your doctor. Right. Right. Have you, you know, like you want to be comfortable to have that conversation. No, totally. And I think that that's where, you know, getting into the medicine side of it all, you know, as kind of, you know, uh, breaking it down for you. So I, you know, had been told for, you know, the 13 years that I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, living on my Lamictal, you know, oh, when Mm -hmm. you want to have a baby and from multiple sources, you know, from neuroscientists to psychiatrists, to psychologists, to hypnotherapists, to OBs, you name it. They all said, you have to get off your medicine because, you know, you, and and not right away, you know, it's something that is a thought process of, it is a slow wean off to slow see, yes, yeah. yeah, slow taper to see, you know, what is fluctuating, what's working, what's not working, you know, because Smart. this the fear was it could kill your baby if you stay on your medicine, right? So right. for me, you know, I always had this anxiety and, and deep down fear inside me that, you know, I would never be able to have a baby that I, no. it would be very hard for me, you know, and, and that's my own, my own anxiety and but my own stress upsetting. Yeah, and it's upsetting. So for me, like I, you know, was like, I will never have a Tylenol when I'm pregnant. I will only, mm. you know, be very, very organic and, you know, only take the right Natural. vitamins very natural. Like I'm very woo woo like that, you know? And yeah, I love it. And, and, and I respect that. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I believe no, in medicine in the sense where like I have, I can tell you right now, I would not be on this earth right now if I was not on my Lamictal at the time when, you know, suicidal ideations were coming up and all of these things. Right. So That's when right. I had That's talked, right. yeah. And when I had talked to my doctor, um, my psychiatrist, I had told her, you know, I'm thinking about having a baby and she was like, okay. And I said, and I want to get off my medicine. And she says, okay, if we're going to do this, you do it, you lower, you know, 20 to 25 milligrams every, you know, two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. We evaluate after two to three weeks and see how you feel. And I have to be honest with you. I never felt better. And that amazing. was, and that was terrifying to me too, because I was <laughs> like, this is the first time I've been off medicine. How am I okay? Right. Because right. I, I'm aware of the trickery of the brain where the brain it's... will make you believe that everything is perfect, you know, because that's what bipolar disorder does, you know? So, right, right, right. So that, you have to be very careful. So that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful outcome. And I'm so, so glad for you. Right. However, that's not every, there are women, that's not everyone. There are women who start to taper off those medications and end up having a full blown manic episode or a full blown depressive episode. And it interferes with their functioning. And this is a real, a real, real problem. A hundred percent. And so I, I always recommend to all of my pregnant patients who have had whatever mental illness controlled really well by medication to speak to a reproductive psychiatrist. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this. No. (laughs) So we're learning things every day, (laughs) every day. And a reproductive psychiatrist is going to help you weigh all the risks and benefits Mm. for some women being on a lithium or a lamictal. And again, I am not, a right. psychiatrist, no, totally. but a reproductive psychiatrist, and I can share with you so you can share with your viewers yeah. some here in the area. Yeah. But you want to make sure that someone really knowledgeable about mental illness in pregnancy and with lactation, mm-hmm. right? So if you do want to breastfeed, again, you're going to be faced with the with this decision. Right. right. Am I going to go back on my medication? Can I breastfeed? Right. These are the specialists that you want to talk to. And what they may say is, okay, we can try this. Right. Or they may say, you know what, when you tried to taper a few years ago, I read in your chart, you ended up having a very severe depressive episode and attempted suicide. Right, right, right. We can't take that risk. Yes, and it's not worth it. So so you, and it's not, of course it's not worth the really, honestly, very minimal risk to your fetus from some of these medications are... Right. A little bit more of a risk. Right. But I'll tell you that something like Zoloft, mm. that's the go-to for depression. There is minimal to no risk to your fetus. Right. And it doesn't really pass through to the breast milk. Or if it does, it's really small amounts. 
So I just want to make sure people are aware that a there are that there's professionals options. who deal with this. Yeah, and they and there's cognitive behavioral therapy and other talk therapies as well. Right, and I so think that that's so beautiful that 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 you know you're saying that this this does exist because it yes. was interesting to me because when I first met with my my OB, I had gone to another one for years, but she you know no longer did deliveries of babies, so I had to uh, find a new one that was uh, through another friend who I absolutely love and adore, and he was shocked that I was off my medicine. And he, and I said, oh yeah, you know, he's like, you can stay on it, you know, if you want. I said, well, you know, I've actually worked like four and a half months to get off it at this point. And I'm feeling, now I'm feeling fine, Um, you know, but yes. And he goes, okay. And he turned to my husband and he says, you are my eyes and my ears. If there gets a point where you see a change, if you see danger, you immediately call me and we handle this. And oh, that what was, an amazing position! Oh, it that was you so have. beautiful. It was so beautiful because he knows that I'm like woo woo and crazy and like you know, like I'm like <laughs> I'm like oh my god, the fairies and you know, he's like yes, okay, you can be that person, but we also have to be realistic. Like this is this is a doctor, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yes, and, yes. and and that's what it's about. But it was so fascinating because I, I, you know, if Sturgis wasn't he might with have been me, the first, right? Yeah. And the if Sturgis, first doctor to be like. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh my gosh, interesting, like fascinating. But as we've continued on to see different specialists and, and, you know, different types of, um, you know, fetal doctors and all this stuff and heart and blah, blah, blah. There's been a lot of them, I'll say. You know, when you go into a doctor, you know, if you're, you're giving birth at a specific hospital, you're usually all of your stuff is on that hospital's website, like all of your you know, right, I don't your know chart. your chart. Thank you. And so it'll yeah. say like what medicines you've been on. And mine still said Lamictal. I hadn't taken it off yet to let them know. And so one specialist was like, oh, you're on Lamictal. That's fine. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm actually not anymore. That's my mistake. You know, I probably should have taken that off on my a chart. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> and he goes, oh, well, you could totally be on it. And I said, yeah, I know, but I'm not on it right now. So it's okay. And then he quickly like Googled something. And he was like, oh, actually, you should not be taking that. So don't listen to me. And and it was so fascinating to me because I'm like, here I am. One doctor is saying it's fine. Another saying it's not. Another one saying it's going to kill the baby. Another is saying this. It's just like the the confusion. It's too much. It's too much. Conflicting information. And then you Google. And of course, you know, everyone will say, you know, either it's safe or it's not safe or, you know, the worst case scenario. Don't go to Dr. Google. Don't go Mm -hmm. to Dr. Google. Don't ever. But that's the scary, the scary thing that I think women are having. And then, you know, on a uh, quickly, like I'd say that the second, first trimester, it was beautiful for me where I was like, I never felt more in my body. I had gotten migraines, but I wasn't really sick, sick, you know? Um, And the second trimester is really when mania came back. And it was the first time that my husband had seen um, a, a manic episode from me because he was not with me when I was unmedicated and undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been very lucky to have found a, um, not only a therapist and, and have my psychiatrist kind of monitor, but but people that specialize in, um, the therapist specializes in, she actually lives with, with bipolar disorder and went through births as well. So understood. And so is giving me tools in the meantime, and then we're having the conversation, but, but let me tell you, you know, it costs money. Right. And I have great insurance. And I think that that's what I have to, that's why I I wasn't going to talk about my pregnancy. And I really truly was going to keep it a secret until like surprise baby came, you know, um, but I felt as soon as that second trimester hit and as soon as I felt what mania felt like again, I was like, oh, wow, this needs to be talked about because there is no yes, community. And and that's why, yes. you know, my, I guess my other question for you is, you know, when I when I look up, you know, bipolar disorder and pregnancies, you know, the, it always is a doomsday situation of, Oh, you know, postpartum, you know, is a, you know, one in five chance, but it's a 150% chance if you live with bipolar disorder and just expect the worst. So there's a part of you that's like, okay, well, you know what? At least I know, like I'm going into something and odds are not going to be in my favor, but also where's the optimism there? Where are the resources? Yes, no kidding. You know, where, why can't I feel like, okay, you know what? I feel like I'm doing what I can. 
And the postpartum part of this pregnancy is the piece that I feel the least stable with. And Got so I right, just least confident and least yeah. confident. And so I, I, I guess I ask, you know, what is it? You know, there's so many, I read all these articles that, you know, you've spoken in and they're so beautiful and they're so amazing. And I'm just like, oh my God, you're so smart. And so in this, you know, what, what is something that we can, you know, say today to, to women that are out there that are just so lost, don't have the funds, don't have the resources, yeah. or maybe are living, you know, in the middle of America right now and don't have, you know, the, the specialists that are around, what is something about postpartum depression that we can share with them, you know, kind of to I love in that general. question. What an important, what an important question. So I want to start by saying that there is some optimism. It isn't that 100% of right. women who have are diagnosed with bipolar disorder will definitely have postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis. Right. That is untrue. There right. is no research to support that. Right. Um, there are risk factors sure. for postpartum depression and they are bio, psycho, social. So meaning the biological piece is something like having a, a personal history of bipolar disorder right. or a family history of a psychotic disorder. Mental illness, yes. It could also be, absolutely, it could also be high BMI, mm. right? So if you're really overweight, I mean like obese, that also biologically places you at higher risk because huh. of inflammation. There's higher inflammation in the body. So I'm just saying, bio the biological risk is pretty vast. Then the psychological and the social risk. So you may have fewer of those risks because you've mentioned a very supportive husband. You have the good yeah. insurance and the financial means, right, right? Right. But what you're saying is, I'm concerned about my biological risk. But hell yeah, right. my psychological risks and my social risks are pretty low because right. I have the psychotherapy. I have these amazing experts that I can rely on. I have my husband, my friends, my family. Right. But what about someone, like you said, middle America, not a lot of contact with specialists? Yeah. Right. So they could have this biological risk. They could have a psychological risk. They could have a social risk. So what do I mean by social risk? For women of color, right? More likely to experience racism. That is a huge stressor. Right. And that places them at higher risk for postpartum depression. Mm. Okay. So we've got somebody who is at high, maybe bio, psycho, and social risk. What can she do? Is she doomed? Absolutely not. Okay. No, no. Wonderful organizations that I will share afterwards with you yes. the names and links so you can put them all online oh, for everybody. Love. But yes, and we do have a community. So I, I'm gonna want to invite you yes. to be included in our community. Yes. Okay. But we do. So several organizations I want to share with you. Postpartum Support International is the first one. Okay. So if someone listened to your podcast, living in London, if someone listened to your podcast, right, anywhere in the world, right. they can go to this website and they can find vetted maternal mental health providers of all kinds, therapists, psychiatrists, you name it, mm -hmm. in their area. Right. I right. have used PSI's website to help a woman who's American living in China Wow. Find a therapist. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. Wow. amazing. Okay, great. Okay. Now, so that's number one, Postpartum Support International. And talk about low cost. They have wonderful support groups. Okay. And many of them, most of them are free. Mm, I love so that. So you can go on there. Yeah. So let's say your baby ends up in the NICU. Right. Let me tell you, that's a major stressor. And that can increase your risk yep. for postpartum depression. Yep. That's one of those yep. increased risk factors. So they have a NICU support group. What about one of those diagnoses wow. in pregnancy, right? So yeah. if you have some sort of upsetting diagnosis, your baby, your, your fetus has, I don't know, some, some sort of fetal anomaly. Right. They've got groups for those families. They've got groups for dads. They've got groups for women of color. So I will be excited to share that with you and you can would, share that with your I would viewers. love that because um, my my other dear friend of mine, Eden Share, um, she shares um, a bipolar one disorder diagnosis as I do. And she had twins and um, 
she was actually part of the episode of the big reveal of of me being pregnant uh, because she's one of my nearest and dearest. Yeah, it's great. And she was sharing how, you know, her babies were in the NICU. And one of the moms who was in the NICU with her for the same amount of time started a group chat. We were all in the same hospital going through the same thing at the same time. And I think that there's there's something that's so important. You know, we can have all the resources and have all the doctors and all the information, but to know that someone is going through exactly what you're going through, that you're really exactly truly not alone. Thing. Yes. That's what's so remarkable. Amazing. Amazing. So so postpartum support international offers those. Then we're gonna get in like smaller. So for California. Um, we have Maternal Mental Health Now, uh-huh. wonderful local organization. We have 2020 Mom. Okay. Um, we also have other national organizations like Blue Dot Project. So I'm going to send you all these. And but we this are is all great. going. Yeah, and I want this. I'm going to put this on the website because I want good. people to be able to just go to one spot and be able to find because, you know, yes. I'm telling you, it's really hard. And and even, you know, uh, when I, before I had gotten pregnant, you know, a couple of years before when I had met my, you know, now husband, I had talked about, you know, always I had learned that at UCLA, they had a special program for bipolar disorder, yes. women and pregnancy. And, you know, I had always shared this narrative, like as if I like knew anything about it. I was not pregnant. I was not planning on being pregnant, but I was like, oh yeah, they have this like place and it's really great. And I'm going to be taken care of. But come the first trimester, I started Googling like a lot about it. And it's wonderful. It helped set up women with different psychiatrists and and doctors. But there wasn't a community that I found that was part of it, especially because of COVID. There was no meetups. There was no YouTubes. And so I felt so ignorant and felt so stupid that I had been sharing this information on my podcast, on my, all this stuff. And I didn't know. No, don't feel stupid. Well, I I just. I love that you shared it. I shared it, but then I was like, I didn't even, but I, and and then I was laughing to myself because I I said to Sturgis, I go, I didn't even use it because I felt like I didn't know how to use it because I was lucky enough to already have a psychiatrist and have a therapist and, you know, do group therapy as well and, and, and have a community. But, but I, I was lacking the, middle of the night, you know, you know, 22 yes. weeks pregnant, um, feeling manic, um, really sad, having dark feelings be. And I found myself just writing yes. everything down all the time. Um, Good for you. But I yes. just wanted to get it share. out of here. Yeah, I wanted to get it out of my brain. But then there was the other thought that I had with someone um, where I said, you know, what if they found those notes? You know, would they put me in a psych ward? Because I said some really like dark things. You know, I'm so glad scary. you brought this up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it is beyond scary. Yeah, there was a study done, and we can talk COVID too. But w- there was yes. a study done before COVID that found that 70—that's seven out of ten—new mothers have scary, negative, intrusive thoughts. Wow. And so I want to normalize that a little bit. There is something going on here, and I'm very interested in the why behind it. Yeah. Um, but there seems to be. Think about it. Evolutionarily, we need to be mama bears. We need yep. to protect our offspring, right? right and right. so. We're going to be on high alert, what we call hypervigilant. We are going to be scanning our environment. And again, I know it sounds kind of crazy to go back to like hunters and gatherers, but back then we needed to, if there was a rustle in the bushes, we needed to think the worst case scenario in order to protect our baby. And the remnant of that are these negative intrusive thoughts. So something that could start as for a new mother Oh my gosh, am I bathing the baby right? Is this okay? Right. You know, da da da. All the way to, which seems like a pretty normal worry, right? For a new mom. What if I let go and the baby goes under and drowns? Right. And then they're horrified, horrified by that thought. Right. Because of course you would never let go. No. But you have this thought and you think, am I going insane? I literally had a dream where I was pushing a stroller, like I was pushing the pram like down a hill and like I wasn't paying attention and I let go and the baby just like went flying. And I was like, I woke up like wanting to throw up and I was like, I know it's a dream, but why am I even thinking such a dark thought? You're the fourth now. I've been I've been doing this work. I mean, I've been a psychologist (laughs) since 2002, but I've been doing this work with 
with with pregnant women and new moms since 2009. So I've I've seen a lot of cases, but you're the fourth or fifth woman who's told me that exact scary thought or dream. Stop it! You're you're like the sixth or seventh woman who that is a very common fear that you're gonna like. But you know what? You know what? These fears, these scary thoughts. So you know dreams aren't real, but let me tell you something. Thoughts aren't real either. I Thoughts know. aren't facts. Just because you think it doesn't make it true. Right, right. And in fact, having a scary thought like that when you do have your baby in in the pram yeah. is going to make you hold on tighter. Yeah, yeah. It's going to make you really, really vigilant. And again, yeah. that's the evolu- maybe the evolutionary cause <sighs> behind why. So it's like, right? Like, right. why are we going through this? But let me tell you, if you don't know the why behind it, it's scary as hell to have thoughts like that. Right, right. Yeah. It's no, scary absolutely. as hell. And women think, oh my God, what's wrong with me? And so that's why seeing a reproductive psychiatrist, seeing a reproductive psychologist, seeing a therapist that has perinatal mental health certification, what we call PMHC, is really critical. Because if she saw those notes that you wrote in right. the middle of the night, there's there'll be no judgment. Right, right. Because they'll be, be like, no we understand. Because, well, we know the difference between what we call a psychotic episode break from reality right. and scary, negative, intrusive thoughts that come along with anxiety or maybe depression. Right, right. But we need to know what's the difference here. We know how to ask those questions. Right. So that's why I'm also so glad that you're out here talking about this because I want women to feel comfortable to share these thoughts with their doctors, yeah. with their therapists. But I want them to be very clear. I'm not ever going to act on it. Right. And, I'm and, not ever because and that's so true. And you know, another thing that I learned in in my hypnobirthing class, which I I I I share to every new mom and that moms that I know that are pregnant and that I meet in other classes or on the street, is that you know, <laughs> if you have to cry, if you have to scream, if you have to do something, do it. But communicate to your break to your baby and just be like, this has nothing to do with you. Mom just needs to have a moment and she's going to cry for a few minutes. This has nothing to do with you. Like, just let the baby know, you know, even if it's like, look, even in a world, if the baby has no concept and has no idea what's going on. Right. Let's live in that world. And will not remember you for your own sanity. I think lets the guilt and that 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 feeling off your shoulders you know because i mean i can't have that yeah and i can't have that conversation i was with a bunch of my neighbors the other day we have like a happy hour outside and you know we had just told them that i was pregnant and they said oh my god how have you been feeling and i was like and i always say physically great and i i always say that because i don't want anyone to go oh well you said you were fine because I, and I, but then it's like, do you get into the fact, but, but mentally I've been, you know, thinking about like how much I hate my life and like, this is everything I've always wanted, but like, I want to die inside 90% of the time. You right. know what I mean? When I'm having a manic episode, but how are you doing? You know, you never want to like, <laughs> and like, that's like the most extreme thing to say, but that's why I always say physically I'm doing great because physically I, I am so blessed you that are. I haven't been sick and haven't had any complications you know everything that everything that has been a a stop complication has turned out to be just just a precaution you know so okay so we've been so great you know blessed with that but it's but it's true it's like how do you have the conversation of like well yeah I mean and they're like oh you're so and everyone goes right you're so lucky you're so lucky and I'm like little do you know that like the mental state behind it all like I don't know if I'd be saying I'm so lucky but you know <laughs> but yes I am so lucky you know um, it's it's this, you this are weird but listen up I'll be, and down I'll be honest with you I, I I love this this line of thinking because we all want to take perspective, right? right? So during the pandemic, I've been talking to a lot of my clients, family and friends about taking perspective. How thankful I am that I had a backyard with right. two little kids, right? right. During right. the pandemic. Well, not right. so little anymore, but anyway, right? We, a lot of people are living in apartment buildings and for a year in lockdown and don't feel safe and comfortable to go outside. 
right? And now we have a war in Ukraine. There's so much to be worried about yeah. and concerned about. So I have it so, you know, I shouldn't complain right, because right. I have it so easy. Right. Let me tell you something. I, I agree with perspective taking to a point, mm-hmm. but if you are struggling, if there's something going on with you and you need help and you want to reach out to your support system and share or vent about that, please, please do it. Right. Because this is ridiculous. Like we all need to be able to share. And first of all, like you said, feel our emotions. Yeah. Feel your feelings. Not judge them. Yeah. Feel your feelings, not judge them. Share them with a loved one. Certainly a therapist, a trusted, non-judgmental person. Right. And then let go of that perspective because it's so funny to me. I think about it. Do you ever have someone tell you when you share good news? You know, that's, that's great. Al. that's, that's nice, but take some perspective. A lot of people are way happier than you. A lot of people are way more successful. I love that. I love that you just said that. Take some perspective. Take a moment. What? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Let's just experience what we're experiencing and get support when we need it. And let's share our our joys and support one another when we're doing great. Right. So I'm really, really happy that you feel like you can be honest with your journey. And I will say the piece about your husband is so critically important because it is spouses, mothers, mother-in-laws, cousins, sisters. These are the people around us that need to keep an eye out. Yeah. Because the moment that that manic episode turns into something not controllable, right. you want to make sure, because let me tell you something, if at any point during the pregnancy or any point in the postpartum, you feel, or a loved one tells you, we need to get back on this medication, right. I will give you a reproductive psychiatrist phone number and you will get back on in a way that's safe because honestly, exposure always occurs. Yep. Think about it. If you have a severe mental illness yeah. that's not controlled, which thank God right. you're doing okay. Right, 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 right. But if you are having suicidal ideation, severe depression, how's that going to affect your behaviors? You're not going to go to your doctor's appointments. You're not going to You're eat. not going to eat healthy. Yeah. You're not going to eat healthy. Your sleep is going to be disrupted. Yeah. All the things that you need to support a healthy pregnancy are going to fly out the window. Right, and it's going to spiral That's out That's going to hurt your baby more right. than the lamictal. And Do you, you know, know what I'm saying? No, I, I completely know what you're saying. And I think that the one other lucky thing that, I, that I've that i had going for me is, you know, my mom is my best friend. And my mom was the okay. one that's been living with, you know, having a daughter for 34, you know, plus years of of living with mental health and living with bipolar disorder, right? So she's been able to see what she's, she can identify what is a manic episode, what is hormonal, what is pregnancy, you know? So when, when there was a moment of me crying for just 48 hours straight, you know, at first my husband goes, oh, she must be, you know, in a manic state. My mom goes, no, trust me, I know her manic state's that's not what this is. This is called pregnancy. This is called yes. her hormones are out of control. She is crying at everything. It's not, you know, but then there was a part where, you know, I, I had lost it in a car when, when I was in the passenger seat of like just anger and frustration, like that enraged of explosion came over me. And my mom goes, okay, now this is the beginning of one of her episodes. Now we need to, you know, go you know, get get on a call with the psychiatrist. So, so yeah. I love that. So, so Amazing. I've been very lucky to be able to have that. Now, two things for I, I guess, which now come up because of this statement, is like, you know, I, I've been very lucky to have these people in my life. You know, yes. people that don't have that in their life, that don't have someone that can watch over. You know, what would you recommend to like a single mom, for instance? who doesn't have someone that can monitor her at all times and she's dealing with it alone, you know, is. Wow. What a tough question. I mean, thank goodness. I think at least for the single moms, I know they still have a support system, even if it isn't like a spouse or a mother, but it could be a neighbor or a friend. And I think at that point you kind of have to, um, you know, be vulnerable, which I know is really hard but open yourself up to saying, I really need a little extra support to get me through this pregnancy. I'd love it if, you know, would it be okay if I texted you? (laughs) Because I'm really not feeling well, right? Right. Um, And then of course, I think what's really critically important is 
getting connected to these groups that I was sharing with you before right. that postpartum support international or maternal mental health now, or for like example, as soon as you get pregnant, yes. really connect. As yeah, soon, absolutely begin to form this support system right. in any way you can. And quite honestly, I think there, there comes a point where there are certain medications, like I told you that are really quite safe right. um, during pregnancy and postpartum. I understand Lamictal may not be one of them, right. but there are others. Right. And to maybe consider being on a medication kind of no matter what to remain right. stable. Right. And that way you don't necessarily have to worry about an episode kind of, you know, rearing its ugly head when right. you don't have the support systems in place. Right. Right. So I think there's a lot of different considerations. Mm -hmm. You're kind of a unique well, you're, you're a unique person. We all are, right? right and right. so your unique experience led you to make these decisions. Right. I think someone else who's not in the same unique situation would need to make other decisions about yeah. their medications or about their right their care. Um, I think it's also really important to, to mention, since women are going to be watching this who maybe aren't sure, like you've had this diagnosis, like you said, for 13 years, right? right? There are women my patients, certainly people who I know in my community who have never had a mental health condition. They've never experienced right. other than a little anxiety here or there, let's say because before a test in college right. or something, right? Or they felt sad when someone close to them died, which is of course normal, right? Yeah. Grief reaction. Other than these kinds of things, they don't understand what we're even talking about. Right. And they might be wondering, why do I feel this terrible? I just mm -hmm. had my baby. I've never felt this way. Oh my God. And they're kind of like blindsided by it. Right. I want to talk about that because I think there I would be love to, because like I know, watching. yeah, I know someone actually where this happened to her, where she oh, didn't man. have any issues whatsoever, anything in mental health. And, and all of a sudden she had the baby and it was a beautiful pregnancy and a beautiful yeah. birth. And then all of a sudden the identity was gone for herself yes. and everything yes. like she was like, Oh, I didn't think I have a mental crisis. And she didn't know how to vocalize it until now right. a long time later, she's now admitting that there was an issue and she kind of kept it down. Um, oh. And so I, I've, and I've heard a lot of these stories before. So exact, I would, I, I can't yes. wait to talk about this. So please yes, yeah, go let, on. Let's talk about this because I'm sure you've heard before of baby blues, right? Yes. That baby, like you've ever yes. heard of that, right? And I, I get really, really upset when in the media, like yeah. in magazines or on TV or in movies, when they conflate or they make baby blues sound the same as postpartum depression. Yes. These are not the same. Baby blues is something that's like a little irritability, mood swings, crying at a Pampers commercial, right? The right. first two weeks. So you have your baby and the first two weeks while your hormones are regulating, you don't feel like yourself. Yeah. You snap at your partner, you cry for no reason, right. you don't feel well. By two weeks, but I'm not saying ignore it. Right. Take note of it. Yeah. But write it down. Two weeks. Write it down, make a note of it, tell your OB. Yep. You can get on the you know chart online and tell your OB, I'm not feeling well, but it's only one week postpartum. Right. This could just be baby blues. I want to keep an eye on it. If two weeks postpartum, you no longer have those symptoms or they're getting better, fantastic. Right. That's probably just baby blues. 80% of women now have the baby blues. Wow. Okay? Wow. That's a lot. Oh, a lot, that is a, a lot. lot. It's ridiculous. So it's important that we talk about it, right? Because eight out of 10 of your viewers are going to experience this. Right. However, if you're more than two weeks post-delivery, yeah. these symptoms are getting worse. You are unable to sleep. And not because the baby's waking you up, but because you're tossing and turning. You're anxious. You're worried. You're scared, right? You're on high right. alert. You're crying. It's interfering with your functioning. Mm. Okay. Right. It is not the baby blues anymore. Now we're talking about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, and it isn't going to go away on its own. Right. So we do need to do some sort of intervention. People say, well, what do you mean by that? What's an, what's an intervention that could work for postpartum depression? Well, first of all, with baby blues and really mild postpartum depression, 
you could just join a support group or go to a mommy and me class, right. use exercise, right. use nutrition, right. use just talking to your husband or a friend, right? These are always going to church or synagogue and connecting with your religious, right. you know, environment. Spirituality, wonderful yeah. for baby blues and mild postpartum depression. Right. Once we get into moderate to severe postpartum depression, those things are really like a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. It's right. not going to cut it's not, it. Right. It's not going to help. It's not. Right. So that's when we want to do some sort of talk therapy, psychotherapy with a vetted maternal mental health provider. We want to consider an SSRI, which is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, like a Zoloft. Uh-huh. That's the go-to that's for many ob right. Okay. That's sort of the, because it's really safe. It's uh-huh. really safe and effective. Right. And it helps anxiety too, which is nice. Uh-huh. If you're really severely depressed postpartum, and it's more than two weeks after your delivery, you're having thoughts of harm, right. harming yourself, harming others. This is no longer a time to be considering, oh, I'm going to go to church and talk to, no. you know, a group of other. No, this is, this a hospital. is now we need to consider. Yeah, we need right. to consider either the hospital. We right. need to definitely talk to our psychiatrist, a reproductive psychiatrist, ideally. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but there is an FDA approved, the first FDA approved medication for postpartum depression out on the market as of about two years ago, I want to say. Wow. And it's called Brixanolone. Have you heard of this No, and what does, what does it do? Well, it really works for severe postpartum depression. So these are women who would otherwise wow. probably need to be in an inpatient psychiatric facility. Okay? Right. But instead, they go to, let's say, the hospital. It could be done on many ob gyn wards. It's an infusion. Mm. So it's not a pill. Interesting. It, you go into the hospital. It's three days. You're getting a slow infusion through an IV and they need to monitor you because really the only side effect that I've read about is like a little dizziness. Uh And so they want to make sure that you're being watched so you don't fall and hit your head. Right. right? But really minimal side effects. And it begins to work almost immediately. So unlike Zoloft. Oh my God. Right. You know that you've heard that they take two to three weeks to work. Yeah, of course. Brixanolone works almost immediately. This is needs to be like to be screamed from the rooftops. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. So I want to say that's not for everybody because of course the criticisms are what new mom can go to the hospital and be an inpatient for three days and be away no, from her baby. No, but that's a very severe. No, that's when it's the last it's, minute decision. Yeah. They, Thank you. That's when nothing else has worked. That's when we've tried the Zoloft, when we've tried the psychotherapy, when nothing else is working and she's still feeling suicidal. We need to get her connected to care immediately. Right. So I'm sharing this with you, not because I'm a negative or pessimistic person. I'm always optimistic that we're going to be okay, right? With maybe just 12 sessions of CBT. But we need to know options. We need to know options. And I also want to, you know, let people know is I say this all the time on the podcast, but I really truly believe it now more than ever is, you know, I use the analogy if you're on a plane and and something happens and the oxygen masks go down, you have to put yours on first before you help the person next to you. And, you know, I at first everything that I was doing for for baby was like, oh, you know, um, I'm going to sacrifice myself so the baby is taken care of. But you know what? The baby is not happy unless I'm happy, right? You know, 100%. So even if, you know, you 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 are in the most dire state of emergency and you need to go to the hospital, just know that you are doing the best thing for yourself, which is the best possible thing you could be doing for your baby. I love that message. I think that is so critically important. And I, I feel that more obstetricians need to know that because this is something that you're, I know you're always weighing risks and benefits, Sure, but we really do need to realize that what is a super, super duper small risk for the fetus with the benefits to the mother, exactly like you said, we need to make sure mom's okay. If mom's not okay, fetus isn't okay. Baby's not okay. Period. End of story. Right. So that's a wonderful analogy. And the, I, I love analogies too. So I'm so glad you brought that one up. But I feel like the same with those intrusive thoughts that you mentioned. Um, 
if you have an intrusive thought, like I want to hurt myself or I want to hurt my baby and you're scared by it, it becomes like a balloon. Every time you think about that, it's a balloon that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your space to where you can't breathe. Right. And when you share it with a trusted person, your husband, your mom, a therapist, right? It's like putting a little pin and it just kind of, it just sort of, it doesn't pop, no. but it deflates that Slowly, balloon yeah. and gives you a little breathing space, yeah. right? So that you can function. We want to get women talking about these symptoms. If you don't share what's going on, right? you can't get help. You can't right. get resources, which is why, by the way, at Cedars, we screen every, since 2017, we've been screening every single woman who delivers at Cedars Sinai in LA for postpartum depression. So when you do the screening, do you do it like right after they give birth? How does the screening happen? Such a great question. So initially before 2017, they were asking it in labor and delivery Hmm. upon admission. And what we learned when I joined the staff in 2016 is that that wasn't working. Why? Because imagine you go in to have your baby and they start asking you questions about, have you been have you lost interest or pleasure in things you usually enjoy doing? And you're like, get this baby out of me, right? So we realized that that is not the time. Let the mom have the baby, let her rest, let her go into the postpartum unit from labor and delivery. Let's get her discharged into postpartum. And now let's ask the questions, right? right? And we frame it as, we don't even really use the word depression. We talk about family wellness. Yeah. We care about you as a whole person. We care about your family. We want to know how you're, because again, like you said about the mask, yeah. you can't take care of your family. If you have older children, yeah. <sighs> postpartum oh depression doesn't just affect the mom no. or the new baby. It, it affects, affects older children. It affects everybody. Yeah. It affects yeah. everybody. Yeah. So we want to make sure. So our, our nurses ask the questions now, actually, as of February, we have been handing women iPads. So the nurses will introduce it, see if she has any questions, and then give her privacy. So, so it's she not like being harpooned then... down your throat, right? Yes. right. yes. Wow, that's beautiful. We because we learned. So that's what I think is so important for anybody who might be watching who works in a hospital. Screening is critical, but yeah. you've got to track your data and see whether it's working. We don't want to screen just to screen. We want to screen to connect to care, right? Right. Right. So we have been tracking this data. We knew that the nurses asking every single question made the the moms feel a little uncomfortable. Like there's still so much stigma. Well, and it's also just uncomfortable in general being in a a hospital. I think like hospitals can be very scary. So I think that, you know, and you're in a vulnerable state where you're just like, you literally have seen everything. Like. Like everything's out. Like you're just like, where do I go now from here? You know? So yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm really proud of I'm really proud of the nursing staff, the social oh, work staff, incredible. because that's who that's who get gets consulted, right? So if a woman does say, I'm not feeling so well, we can get her connected to care immediately. Now I have a question. Can postpartum come? Where like in like three weeks after the baby, you know, where you're feeling great the first three weeks and then all of a sudden it like you wake up and it changes or I don't really know how it works. That's why I'm so. I love the question. So that's why we call call it perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, because it can start in the pregnancy. Mm. Number one. So being aware in your pregnancy of how you're feeling, you're already doing that because of your history. But other women need to be aware, too. Right. It can start in the pregnancy. It can start immediately postpartum. It could take six months out before those symptoms. Wow. So, so, and you might wonder why, right? Like, why would it just show up? Six and months? change. But it could be because you wean. So if you're breastfeeding mm. and then you wean around six months, you, again, it's, it's hormonally charged. Wow. So it's kind of like if it was all hormones, Every single woman who's ever been pregnant would have postpartum depression. So it's not all hormones, but some women tend to be sensitive to their fluctuation of their hormones. Mm. It may not happen right after pregnancy because of breastfeeding. It could happen once she stops breastfeeding and that could be any time postpartum. Right. Interesting. So we need to keep our eye on it and we need to keep the conversation going right with our doctors, with the nurses, with whomever we're seeing lactation consultants. Right. Um, so I, I, I love that question. And I, I do think it's important 
because that community that you're talking about, it needs to be there for women when they're thinking about getting pregnant. Because let's be honest, like you mentioned, a friend of yours um, and, you know, other moms who struggle to get pregnant. Yeah. We need to provide support for women who are going through infertility, women who have miscarriages and losses. Right. We, so so we need to start this during conception. Well, through pregnancy, yeah. And I think that it's so right. And people don't realize that there's, you know, the fourth trimester, which is, yeah. you know, afterwards, like the 12 weeks after your baby's born. And, you know, yeah, that was another thing that I always was so fearful of, of of miscarriages because there were a lot of miscarriages on, on both sides of our families. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we were even more secretive than I think we even would have been with family because we were so nervous. And I was like, I'm not getting my hopes up if I, and I'm very Italian in the sense where I'm like, okay, if I buy this and something bad happens, it's because I bought this or it's because I threw this away. Like, I mean, just like silly things, superstitious. superstitious to the max. Like I, I didn't know that I was pregnant and I bought this, like these period underwear. And I was like, if I throw this away or if I return this, like I for sure am going to like lose my baby. Like that was where my thought went, you know, but but that's why I think it's so important for us to always have the conversation. It is, it is preconception. It's, it's, you know, from the very beginning conception, then the pregnancy, then the fourth trimester, then afterwards, because, you know, like you said, with breastfeeding, some people breastfeed. I knew a woman that breastfed her baby till he was four years old. Absolutely. And like, I could happen right after that. I'm like, I don't Absolutely. know how you produce that much breast milk, but good on you, you know? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a term to use. Yes. I will send you information about it. But have you ever heard the term matrescence? No. Ever heard that? Okay. But you have heard the term adolescence, of course, yes. right? So in college, maybe you took developmental psych or even in biology, you learn about these right. stages of development. Right. Okay. They are biopsychosocial in nature. So mm-hmm. I already used that term, but there are biological changes, right? Hormones, there are psychological changes, there are social changes, like role changes. So before wow. you went through adolescence, you maybe only thought of yourself as a daughter or right. a sister, right? right? Or a student. But then after adolescence, now your role, your identity is changing. You're, you're, you're becoming friend or girlfriend, you know, more yeah. so even than identifying yourself as daughter. Matrescence is a developmental phase that women go through and it starts the moment they want to conceive. Wow. So women who are going through infertility, right? So it is a developmental phase going through all the way, conception, having a baby, having your second baby, right? right? Whenever, until you're kind of beyond this reproductive developmental process. But it's biopsychosocial in nature. And a lot of the women who struggle is because it could be a biological thing, and that helps them to have medication. But it could be more psychological, that they're struggling with, oh my God, I've only ever seen myself as for me, a psychologist. Yeah. Maybe you've only ever seen yourself as an actress. Right. And so now to wear the mom hat, you're kind of like, well, what about that other identity? Like, where did that right. go? You know, and it's right. scary and sad. And you don't know how to feel about that. Right? right. So, so this term came out, I want to say in the seventies, it was coined by an anthropologist. This is not my term, yeah. <laughs> but it was coined by an anthropologist. <laughs> I'm not going to take credit, but I love the term and I think we need to use it more because it helps us identify what the challenges might be and when they might rear their ugly Mm. heads, right? So if it takes you nine to 10 months to grow this fetus and to have this baby, it could take you nine to 10 months to recover. Your body is not a ball. It doesn't bounce back. We need to give ourselves time to go through this matrescence period and cut ourselves some slack. Right. We need to yeah. give ourselves some grace because when you were going through adolescence and I don't want to speak for you, but it could be a bit of a shit show. Yeah. Right? Yes, so, absolutely was. <laughs> so I think it's important to recognize that this could be very challenging. Yeah. Like every other developmental phase right. we go through in life, there are positives. Right. But there are also challenges. Yeah. And the more we talk about those challenges openly, like we're doing today, the easier the it is. The more women are going to feel supported. Yeah. And it just and it open feels. To talk. Yeah. And it feels like there's a community. I, I can't tell you the ease that I have been put in with you today. And Aww. and I'm just like, I, I'm very. Uh, things. I work really hard. I do. I work really hard. And I've done, you know, research, 
but there's been something so beautiful and miraculous about this pregnancy of what I've been going through in the sense of meeting people that I think, I, I, that I know I never would have met if I wasn't for being pregnant, right? And having this experience yeah. on my own and really feeling the need to share and and share these resources and this information because I can't imagine how there are so many women out there that suffer every single day alone. Um, right. And, you know, I, I, I have so much respect for moms now more than I ever have because in oh pregnancy and the secrets that they hide and the feelings that they hide to try to put on a brave face and how silly it is. Like, you know, I, I used to always think to myself like, oh my God, I, you know, I, wow, she's, you know, getting really big or I, well, you know, like, and you think like, that's a nice thing to say to someone. And some people are offended by that. And like me, if they're like, you're so small, like I would never know you're that far along. I get offended. I'm like, well, don't act like I'm malnutrition, my baby. Like, what are you talking about? You know, but you never realize these things unless you've been put in these shoes. And so I truly so feel, true. yeah. And I feel like it is my my duty and my job, you know, I have this, this, this audience. I need people to know they are not alone. And it's, it. it's, it's humans like you that are making that happen. I have to ask and on a personal you. note, you know, what is your emotional support? Oh, you're, that's an interesting question. I'm very, very lucky. Um, I have a very supportive husband who oh. is an equal partner um, in the sense that I wouldn't be able to have the career that I have and feel happy and content with the family life that I have right. if it weren't for him. So oh. I would say number one, amazing, amazingly supportive and like better cook than me. Okay. So <laughs> I'll just say, and it's the little things on okay? the record, it's the little things. <laughs> yes, on the record, it's the little things. And like, I do morning drop-offs. He does afternoon pickups. Like this that. is e like equal. And I think, I think we are moving in that direction where that isn't so unusual. I mean, I'm no. older than you. It's a little unusual for, right. for my generation and a little older. So I'm very blessed with that. Um, I will say I have a lot of really wonderful close friends and family members who, when I'm struggling, I can go to, and just for example, um, over the weekend, I talked with a friend from college for an hour and a half. Wow. My Beautiful. daughter, I love it. My, my 11 year old daughter and my 14 year old son were like, are you ever getting off and the now, phone? Mom, you know? mom. <laughs> so it's, it's people like that. I talk yeah. to my parents all the time. My brother is wonderful. You know, when things get really, really hard, I, I feel that professional help is critical. You know, yeah. I, I'm not of the camp that believes everyone should be in therapy. Uh, sure. But I do, I am of the camp that never hesitate to reach out, particularly if you've never tried psychotherapy before. I can tell you from personal experience, it's incredibly effective. Right. And it is a wonderful resource. It isn't the same as talking to a friend. Yeah. So, you know, Getting getting the support, and by the way, I don't rely on my kids for support, but now that they're older, 14 and 11, and I'm having a bad day, yeah. and they ask me how I'm doing, that makes me feel better immediately. Wow. Just because, the question. Yeah. Oh my God. What amazing humans. Yeah. What I'm, amazing. And you <laughs> so raised lucky. them. Yeah. So lucky. So I think, you know, what an, what an amazing question that you ask. I think it's also important to be supported you know, by your professional, um, kind of, uh, where you work, yeah. the people, your colleagues, your, you know, and I feel really, really blessed to be supported, um, you know, maternal mental health. Now I'm really, really connected with at Cedars and the reproductive psychology program really feel connected by my colleagues. Um, you got to find that uh, village. Yeah. You, know, you have to find people are always talking about yeah. it and yeah. you're like, Where's my village? Yeah. No, so we need I to think help it's... moms build that. Yeah. And I, I, you know, am going to put all of the information on the website on emotionalsupportpod.com. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to be posting about it on the Instagram and stuff like that. Because yeah. I think that if, if this can just even help one mom that's listening right now, I think that that's, I wish that I was that one mom, you know what I mean? I, I tr truly, because that's where, you know, and I, and I'm, and I'm lucky, but there were moments where I was so lost and 
I said, you know, it's such a lonely thing to be pregnant because even though you have support system around you, you know, unless you've been there, you don't understand it, you know? And so very true. And you know what we didn't even talk about? We'll have to have a whole other session on parenting and the pandemic because I think of the postpartum period and what this is like in the, because the pandemic isn't over. I mean, no. this is something that, it, I, and I will end with this. I'll say, because I know you got to go. But I, first of all, thank you for- No, we're fine on time. I just don't want to take your time. This, <laughs> oh gosh. No, sharing this platform and making this message, like you said, shouting it from the rooftops. Because the pandemic, I told you that one out of five new mothers are meeting criteria for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Oh. But the research is already coming out from the past two years that these rates are doubling during the pandemic. Wow. So I think you hit the nail on the head with feeling isolated. And and listen, you don't have anything to compare it to because you've never been pregnant outside of a global pandemic. Right, right, right. right. So I think think there's something there. And that's why we pivoted very quickly to having all of our support groups and therapy groups. By the way, quick plug for our Becoming Mother Therapy Group. Yeah, oh yes, This is a wonderful community, okay? So this is through Cedars-Sinai. It's run by our amazing outpatient social worker, Karen Lindsay, and it is a four-session series. It is for pregnant women and women who are newly postpartum, up to a year postpartum can join. If you're struggling with managing stress, anxiety, depression, kind of like adjusting to motherhood, particularly during a pandemic, you can join this four-session series. And it's all virtual. Wow. So you can do it from the comfort of your home. Right. And we have one every month. So every month there's another group of women who come in, meet each other. So it's a it's a win-win because it isn't just a support group. Right. It's also a therapy group. Yep. And it relies on cognitive behavioral therapy techniques and tools. So this is something that's really beneficial for women. And by the way, you don't have to just join for one month. You right. can join for two or three. Right, right. And go from pregnancy into the postpartum And how wonderful and you of- can meet all these other wonderful mothers that are part of it. That's right. That's right. And like you said, to be able to talk about it openly, honestly, and not have to censor your feelings. Yeah. It's a gift. It is a it's gift. It's really a gift. It is a gift. Yeah. So, it's a gift to be honest. I'll share that open. with you too. Oh, please yeah. share it all. I just, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on emotional support and being part of this and being able to share. You're going to help so many women out there and, and also, you know, and partners as well, you know, because I think yes. that partners, you know, uh, using my husband as an example, like he's, he does so much more research even than I do on trying to find out how he can have support groups and find people. And, yes. and, and so, and do the, do what he can do to support me. Um, so Amazing. this is just helping so much. So thank you so much.